Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. God knows what we need even before we pray. Isn't that an amazing God? He knows your need this morning as you're sitting here at our campuses. Whatever your need is and you've been praying, he already knew it. You say, well, Pastor Mark, then why in the world should I pray? God just answered my prayers generically. Here it is. Go. No, prayer is a two-way conversation. He wants to talk with you. It's a relationship. So we pray because we're in tune with God. It's beautiful. Do you know that God is not only able to care for you, but that He also desires to? Today, Pastor Mark will teach listeners of God's personal interest in every one of our lives. Our Lord is much more than just an all-powerful being ruling everything with His divine nature. He is as uniquely invested in your life as any other. What a great God we serve. Knowing that when you pray, He listens and cares. We may not always get the response we desire, but who better to trust with our lives than Almighty God? Trust in your personal Lord with all your heart today. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Daniel as he begins his message entitled, God's Prophetic Calendar for Israel. Let's turn, if you will, to Daniel chapter 9. We'll begin in all of our campuses, verse 17. Now, this is a prophecy that is an answer to prayer that Daniel prayed. Daniel had read the book of Jeremiah and knew that the children of Israel were going to be in captivity because they'd sinned in Babylon for 70 years. It was getting close to that. So Daniel prays, and he prays for three things. Look at it. Verse 17. Now, O God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, O Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. So he's praying for that. Give ear, O God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests because we are righteous. We don't deserve you to answer our prayer, but because of your great mercy. Now, here's the last one. O Lord, listen. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hear and act for your sake. Oh my God, do not delay because your city, here's the last one, and your people bear your name. So here's what Daniel prays for. And you'll see why he does this. Three things you can write down this morning. He says, God, would you restore and make new your sanctuary? You see, when, when uh, the, the enemy came in and took over uh, Israel, it destroyed the city it destroyed the sanctuary, the Jewish sanctuary, where people would go and meet God. And King Nebuchadnezzar basically came and captured the people and took them to Babylonian for 70 years. They're captives. 
So he's looking to the day. He knows the 70 years is almost over. He's looking to the day when God will restore the people, the city, you'll see that, and the temple will be rebuilt. The sanctuary will be rebuilt. Now, here's what's amazing. Look at verse 20 and 21. The key word in verse 20 and 21 is the word while. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and making my request of the Lord my God for his holy hill, here's it again. While I was still in prayer, Gabriel, an angel, I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. Here's the key. While Daniel was praying, God sent an angel to answer his prayer while he was praying. That is amazing. Think about this. Notice how quick the angel came. He said, the angel came from heaven to Daniel to stand beside him and explain it to him. He came in a swift flight. Amazing. Now, you know why the angel got there from heaven to there, earth quickly? He didn't have to go through TSA. He just... <laughs> He just came directly down. Didn't have to take his shoes up. Probably didn't have shoes. He just, he just went right on through. And he got there quickly. Notice what you see there. Daniel had his heart right with God. And the answer was given before he finished his prayer. Here's a principle for us. You want to write it down. God knows what we need even before we pray. Isn't that an amazing God? He knows your need this morning as you're sitting here at our campuses. Whatever your need is and you've been praying, he already knew it. You say, well, Pastor Mark, then why in the world should I pray? God just answered my prayers. Generically, here it is, go. No, prayer is a two-way conversation. He wants to talk with you. It's a relationship. So we pray because we're in tune with God. It's beautiful. Now, look at verse 22. When the angel came, he instructed me and said to me, Daniel... I've come now to give you insight and understanding. That's what I'm going to do for you this morning. I'm going to give you insight into this passage through God's word and understanding so you'll see what God's plan is. As soon as you begin to pray, verse 23, an answer was given, which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the message and understand the vision. Many people think God is against them especially non-believers. And this proves to us again, over and over, he's not against us, he's for us. God sends an angel so that Daniel can understand the scripture. By the way, God has given you the Bible so you can understand the scripture. Would you write this down this morning? God wants to reveal the principles of life to every single one of us. That's why we teach the word of God. So how do I do life right? How do I raise my kids? What do I do when I'm looking to get married? If I'm offered a job in another state, how in the world do I make the decision to do all these things? Should I buy a house? Should I rent? A million things. How in the world do I do this? God's word has the answer to all of it. Now here's where the math begins. So those of you that are math petitions, you just help us as we move through. Verse 24. 70 sevens. Seventy sevens. Let's see how your math is. Seventy times seven. How much is that? 490. Good. How many needed help with that one? You open your iPhone, there's a calculator in there. You can do it. Seventy. So we're talking about 490 years are decreed for your people and your holy city 
to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision of prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. I'll explain all those to you in a second. Here's what I want you to write down. The prophecy we're studying this morning is only for Daniel's people. Now, Daniel is Jewish, so who is this prophecy for? Jewish people. Now, I know there's a, there are very few Jewish people, or most of us Gentiles. You say, well, Pastor Mark, this has nothing to do with me. Can I just sleep now for the next 35 minutes? No, because it has great application to all of us. You'll see it as we go through. It's not only for the Jews, Daniel's people, but it's for his holy city. What is the most holy city, God's holy city? Where is it found? It's Jerusalem. Exactly right. You're right. So God's city is Jerusalem. God's nation is Israel. God's people are the Jews. Now, we're Gentiles most of us, and we've been grafted in because God's our Savior. He's our Lord. He's, he came for everybody. Now, when you see this happening, this figure is 70 times 7, and that means 70 weeks times of years times 7. So it's 490 years. So watch me. Here's a clock, and this is going to be a prophetic clock. And on this clock, the hands will go. Year one, year two, and we'll go into 490 years. This clock just goes, and it goes by these 70 times seven. So the 70 is the key. And as this is, this is a picture from Daniel's time, 490 years into the future, what's going to happen to the Jewish people? And again, you say, well, I'm not Jewish. No, but all of this has to do with Jesus, the Messiah. And what's going to happen to you and I, because you're a Christian today, because during this 490 years, toward the end of this 490 years, Jesus is born. He lives. He begets disciples. He establishes his church right after he's crucified. So these 490 years have a lot to do with you and me as we go through it. Now, as you look at this clock, I'm going to present it very simply to you. It won't look that way. Just hang with me. You're going to be fine. Differ, difficult for me, not as difficult for you, because I'm trying to make it simple. I, I could spend five weeks giving you all the formulas. How many would like me to do that? Maybe two hands go up. That's because you didn't know what I just said. Uh, of course, you wouldn't want me to do that. So there's six things in this verse 24. There's six things that will be finished during this 490 years, watch what they are. Now, a period of 70 sets of seven have been decreed for your people, Jews, and for your holy city, Jerusalem, to do these six things, to finish their rebellion, the rebellion of the Jewish people, to put an end to the sin of the Jewish people, we'll see what that is in a moment, to atone for their guilt. They're guilty because they've sinned against God. Then we go to, to bring in everlasting righteousness. In other words, there's a time coming in these 490 years when the world's going to be at peace, to confirm the prophetic vision, to show you that it's true, and to anoint the most holy place. So right now, there's no temple. But in this 490-year period, there's going to be a temple. Actually, there's going to be more than one temple, and it's, that's going to be anointed. Now, the first three of these deal with sin. Notice it says, to finish their rebellion and put an end to sin. Rebellion. Sin is simply rebellion. When God says, do this, and you go, no, I'm not going to do that. That's sin. We rebel. When Adam and Eve were there, and God said, don't touch a tree, they rebelled, and they went and touched the tree and took the fruit from the tree. So sin is that. What is the greatest rebellion uh, that the Jews have ever done? 
I'll give you a little clue. When Jesus came to this earth, the, the verse says this, I came to my own. Who, who is Jesus? Was Jesus Jewish? Yeah, you say, well, this sermon has nothing to do with me. Really? <laughs> He's your savior. He is Jewish. He, he says, I came to my own people. And what did the, those people do? They rejected Jesus. Some of you are new to Christianity, so you don't understand. When Jesus came to his own people, they didn't believe he was the Messiah at all. That's why they crucified him. So the, their greatest rebellion would be that they crucified Jesus Christ. He was the Messiah. They got it wrong. They'll continue to get it wrong until we get next to the 490 years. So what's going to happen? He's going to put an end to their sin and the end of the rebellion. Because toward the end of this 490 years, the Jewish eyes are going to open, spiritually going to go, oh my goodness, he was the Messiah, and we crucified him. So their eyes will be open. Number three, look at Zechariah 12.10. I'll show you what that looks like. And I will pour out on the house of David, the Jews, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, a spirit of what? Condemnation? Grace. I'll forgive them. And they will look at me. Finally, the Jews will look at Jesus, the one they have pierced, the one they crucified. And what will happen? They will mourn for him. They'll finally get it. They'll say, oh my goodness, our ancestors were wrong. We were wrong. Jesus is the Messiah. The next thing is to atone for their guilt. Now, why could God look on them in grace? Because on the cross, Jesus atoned. In the Old Testament, the sins were covered by their sacrifices, but they were never forgiven. When Jesus went to the cross, he paid for the sins of how many? Just the Jews? No, for you and me, for the whole world. And on that cross, what did he say? It is finished. It was done. So when they finally quit rebelling, when you as a Gentile stop rebelling against Jesus and accept him as savior, notice what happens. Your sins, your guilt is removed. Man can't do that. You can never be good enough to get rid of your sin or your guilt. We know what guilt is. It's a horrible feeling. And all of that is removed. Christ's blood shed on the cross did that. Notice how Romans puts it. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice once and for all for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus was sacrificed, uh, that Jesus sacrificed his life shedding his blood. Some churches believe that every time you take communion, Jesus is crucified again. No, that's wrong. On the cross, it is Finished. It's done. It's over with. One time. Can you imagine that? He paid the ultimate sacrifice. Now, the next three talk about a day when the, the kingdom of God comes to this earth. Right now, our world is ruled by Satan. This is his domain. Ultimately, God still rules him. But Satan is the ruler of this earth. Remember, when Jesus was tempted by Satan, Satan says, I'll give you the whole world if you'll bow down and worship me. Now, how can he do that? Because he has control of the whole world. But there's a day coming when the kingdom of God comes down to this earth and a new king will be on the throne in Jerusalem. And that's called the millennium. And that's a thousand years of peace before we get a new heaven and a new earth. Anybody looking forward to that day? I would like to see it right now. But it's in this period, it's right at the end of the period of 490 years. So you see that happening. So these three look to that. 
During the millennium, Christ will come, a new order will come, everlasting righteousness. The world will be right. You won't see sin rampant anywhere because Christ is on the throne. We look forward to that day. Then notice, Isaiah says, then when the kingdom of God comes to this earth, then will all your people be righteous and they will possess the land forever. They'll never, right now, what's, what, what's the danger of little Israel? All the Arab nations are trying to what? Destroy it, get rid of it, finish it. You know, Israel's the size of New Jersey. Can you imagine that? That little piece of land. Why is the enemy so much against it? Because it's God's city and it's God's nation and it's God's people. It's not political. It's spiritual, but our world doesn't understand it. To confirm the prophetic vision, through all of this, when you see this on the, on the screen this morning going through, it validates 100% what's going to happen from Genesis all the way to Revelation. You can trust the word of God. This is an amazing picture of what's going to happen. And last, to anoint the most holy place. This means a new holy of holies will be in Jerusalem. This will be another temple, and you'll see what that looks like uh, during Jerusalem, uh, during the millennium. In Jerusalem, all of them there in Jerusalem because this was God's key. So when Daniel hears this, there's a time coming when the Jewish people will sin no more. When Jesus, the professed Messiah, will actually come, the Jewish people will see it, what does he realize? Daniel is like excited. He doesn't understand it, but he's thinking this, because everything looked pretty bad for the Jewish people. But the outcome is this. Daniel knows that God is not finished with the Jewish nation. You know, there's wonderful Christians in other churches, won't name them, that don't believe that God has anything to do with the Jewish people anymore, that the church has taken over. And the Jews are gone, and he's never going to forgive them. They're no entity at all. I don't know what Bible they read, but what you're going to see this morning is his heart is still for what? His people. And we've been grafted in. So that's why we still support Israel today. Those people that believe that God isn't for Israel, they could care less about Israel. You feel like that a lot of churches say, let the Israelites go. Who cares about them? God cares about them. And he's going to give them another chance. How many are glad for another chance? <laughs> yeah. And you say, well, the Jews had many chances. How many have had many chances? Don't get funky out there on me. And so God is not finished with the Jews, and Daniel's doing this. God, give me a high five. This is fantastic. So understand, this is the grace of God. They're his people. He's going to restore them. Now, here's the question. When did the 490 years start? When does the clock start ticking? Well, look in verse 25. You're with me. You're doing fine. No one understand this. From the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. Look at me for a moment. Why would Jerusalem need to be restored and rebuilt? Well, remember what I told you? When he came into that city, he just raised the whole thing. The town was destroyed. It was finished. The temple was totally destroyed. And so when the Jewish people are looking to go back home at the end of 70 years, what's at home? Nothing. Rocks. Nothing that they can relate to. By the way, if you go to Israel, you'll know why God says, He's the rock of our salvation because everything in Israel is rocks everywhere. So what happened is Nehemiah at one time heard how horrible people had started going back to Israel and there's no temple and there's no city. And so Nehemiah heard this and he says, 
God put on his heart a burden. I, I want to go back and help rebuild the city. And so this is the decree. Watch this. Notice what, let's look at it again. And no one understand from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, which was, which was destroyed by Babylon, until the anointed one, the ruler comes, there will be seven, seven sevens and 62 sevens. So he's divided those two time periods. You'll see it in a moment. It will be, it will be rebuilt with streets and roads in a trench. But notice the last words, in a time of trouble. So the starting point of the 490 years would be when one of those foreign kings says to a Jewish leader, you can go back and you can restore and rebuild Jerusalem. Now we know from the Bible historically that King Artaxerxes made a decree and he said to Nehemiah, who was kind of his cupbearer, tested the wine and so forth for him, you have permission, safe passage, supplies, I'll provide them to you to return to Jerusalem to do one thing, not rebuild the temple. Other people would do that, but to rebuild the city and the walls. That started in 445 BC, 445 BC. Now, you just saw there are two time periods. So let's go through and look at time period one. I have a little slide for you. This is the whole 490 years. It's very simple. It'll get a little more complicated later. Three different periods of time. First one is 49 years. The next one's 434 years. And then we'll talk about the seven years, which is actually the end of the time. So if you add 483 and seven, how many do you get? Let's see how you're doing. Okay. Anybody remember a number we started with? 490. There you are. There it is. So it's divided into three things. So what happens in this first 49 years? Well, it's the rebuilding of the city. So we can take that down. It's the rebuilding of the city. Now, it took 49 years to rebuild the city. This was completed in 396 BC, 49 years after the decree was gone. uh, and, and, And Nehemiah goes and he begins this. Now, here's where the problem is. When Nehemiah went, it only took him 52 days to really kind of get it going. And it was done. Well, Pastor Mark, where's the 49 years? Well, the 52 days basically was to kind of get it started. But many years would be done, would be needed to finish all the streets and everything. Because what did it look like? Totally demolished. So the rest of that time was finishing, giving adequate housing, rebuilding the streets, doing all of that. It took all that time. That The wall, 52 days. But all the homes, the cities, everything else, the roads, it took 49 years. Now, also the problem was, what did I tell you when we read this verse? Look back at the verse. In times of what? Look at the verse. In times of, at the end, all of our camp, in times of trouble. So there were people that were not believers, were against the building of the temple, the streets, in the city. God knows what we need even before we pray. Today we learn from Pastor Mark that God wants to reveal the principles of life to us, how to do life right. Scripture promises that the Lord will take care of those who rely on Him. And as He led the children of Israel in the Old Testament, so He wants to lead your life. How can you humble yourself today and choose to follow God, allowing Him to be the source of everything you do? Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. 
We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed, or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira Campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Did you know that God knew the steps of Israel even before they took them? In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will teach listeners of the prophecies found in Daniel. There would be six things finished in a 490-year time frame regarding Israel. The first three deal with sin and the work of redemption. The next three deal with the restoration of the kingdom of God on earth. We serve an omnipotent God. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the book of Daniel. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a hurry.